the trade deadline edition of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by, as always, our Patreon subscribers could not do without you. We do not have any intro music today. I'm still in a hotel in Chicago doing this live at the trade deadline, and we're going to have guest Rick Carpinello join us to break down everything the Rangers did. Let's just transition right into it. Me and Greg break down everything that we think the Rangers should and shouldn't have done or react to the Kevin Hayes, Zuccarello, and et cetera trades that happened. Right now, transition. Hey, Bushwick Breakup fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, we have picked the best time for our recording software to stop working. Yeah, Uber Conference doesn't sponsor this podcast and never will sponsor this podcast. That's for sure. So you're calling in. I'm in a hotel in Chicago still. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Obviously, let's get to the, the, the nitty-gritty of what's happening for the Rangers at the trade deadline, and there has been a lot. We did an emergency trade podcast about Zuccarello. I'm sure we'll touch about that on again, uh, touch on that topic again today. And there's been a lot to digest since that happened. But Kevin Hayes is traded to the Winnipeg Jets for a first and Lemieux. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Brendan Lemieux? That is. Uh, sure and, is. Uh, we'll talk about him. And then also, Adam McQuaid gets traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a fourth and a seventh. We moved down some spots in the draft to acquire McQuaid for a certain amount of games. I believe it was 36 or some bullshit. And after that, the Rangers really did nothing else. What did we, let's start with the Kevin Hayes deal. Uh, there's a lot of controversy on the internet about this one, mostly because, well, it kind of goes both ways, right? You see that, oh, wow, the Rangers fleeced the Jets. I can't believe they got that haul for Kevin Hayes. And then you see Rangers Twitter talking about how I can't believe we got so little for Kevin Hayes. Which side are you taking there, Gregory? Uh, neither. I thought Kevin Hayes got traded for market value. I did too. I, I think you and I are going to be in a really strange place when it comes to this trade deadline because doesn't it feel like the trade deadline reaction for us has been like, oh, okay. I'm not disappointed and I'm not excited. Like I have no true like emotional scale there where, scale there where I'm like, oh man, this is devastating. I can't believe we didn't get that. And I think that's okay. I think the trade was fair. And isn't this exactly what we said we were looking for from a Kevin Hayes trade? Yeah, exactly. I I think expectations were met, and I think it's always a little underwhelming when only expectations are met as opposed to exceeded. At the mm-hmm. same time, I, I I feel like people often forget that trades work two ways, right? Mm-hmm. You ha- It's not just being willing to give up the asset. You have to find a team that's willing to give up other assets for your asset. And sometimes the – compromise and those negotiations are simply what expectations of the deal are in theory. Of course, the Rangers wanted more. They're not going to ever say like, no, this is the most we ever asked for in any trade. And of course the Jets wanted to give up less. I'm sure if the Jets had it their way, it would have just been a second round draft pick and not even a prospect, like maybe another fourth round pick. But the Rangers knew what their price was going to be. They prioritized the draft pick. I wonder if the Rangers didn't want a draft pick, they could have got a better prospect. But at the same time, I doubt the Jets were ever trading any prospect of note. Therefore, the best asset the Rangers could get is the first-round pick. And they did. So this is something I really wanted to talk about because Mark Stone also got traded to Vegas, right, for Branstrom. I believe that's how you say his name. Or Branstrom a second, Branstrom a second, and a old friend Oscar Lindbergh. Correct, Mr. Oscar, what a guy. Now, 
I'm under the impression that most teams never really want to trade their top prospects unless they get a guy like Mark Stone, right? That already is in talks for extension uh, for an eight-year deal. And if I'm a Vegas fan, I'm pretty excited about that because now I'm getting a bona fide player uh, who's going to help me make cup runs every single year. And I'm an expansion team and I'm, I'm making excitement in my city. Now, every other team isn't going to give up their top prospect for a player like Kevin Hayes. I feel like getting top prospects from teams is going to be harder than it ever is in the future because now we just value these cheap top-line prospects, and well, until the CBA changes. Am I crazy to think that? Well, just think of every trade that's been made this year. Has a top prospect been traded anywhere? The only time the, the Predators traded Kevin Fiala, but he's not exactly a prospect anymore, and they got a young player back in return. Um, top prospects just don't get traded in hockey. It, it's really that's it's that especially this year, no no rental player got traded for anything that looks like a top prospect. The well, best Bra- Brostrom, prospect I mean, that but was he, traded, yeah. The best prospect trade was Brandstrom, and even then, the the, the Golden Knights knew they were signing Stone to an extension. I'm Which, sure how, that's, how did that's they know that? That's weird. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure this deal was actually agreed to hours ago, and they've just been talking with Stone for the last couple of hours. Right, that had to be it because that that feels like tampering otherwise, and I, I feel like the NBA does the tampering, and the NHL does a little bit less of it. Yeah, I feel like baseball is the one place where teams are given specific 72-hour negotiating windows, and we hear about it. But I'm not saying that Vegas had a 72-hour negotiating window, but I'm sure Vegas gave. Ottawa two deals, a deal where they get the extension and a deal where they don't get the extension. And then they talked with Stone and they asked Stone what it would take. They said what they were comfortable giving. And then once the extension became clear, they said, fine, you can have Branstrom. I highly doubt Branstrom's in that deal unless Stone is signing the extension. Absolutely. I think there's 0% chance. And the fact, I think they still could have gotten a first with it. Uh, this isn't an Ottawa podcast, but I think that's a good deal for Vegas in the long run. Let's keep talking yeah, about. But, okay, go on. Yeah, but going back, going back to Hayes, and I think uh, I think it was actually our buddy who's going to be on the podcast later, Rick Carpinello, who's the one that said our, our buddy. two first round picks got traded today, and the Rangers got one of them. So nobody I, was trading first rounders today. It's just that, that simple. That's a. This is a win for us because. The buyer, it's, it is sort of a buyer's market. It ended up being. I think you can get quality players for pretty cheap prices. I mean, we'll get to Zuccarello in a few. Nyquist got traded for about the same price as Zuccarello, if not less. Uh, there was a lot of different players that could be you could have for a really cheap price, and uh, it's just the way it is. And Gorton, for all we want to do is flame him for what he's done. He's done a pretty good job, in my opinion, of rebuilding this team on the not on the fly, but getting value for his players and building up value for his players. Now, I don't know how he got value for Adam McQuaid. Can you explain to me what the Blue Jackets are thinking in that situation? Well, they didn't really get value because when you think about it, the Rangers now have a worse fourth-round pick and a worse seventh-round pick for Adam for the 36 games of Adam McQuaid. I kind of misspoke. I I guess I should say he got something for Adam McQuaid after people watched Adam McQuaid play hockey. I think that's more accurate. Yeah, but at, at the same time, I mean, just because Adam McQuaid adds a level of what, – what, what's, what's the word that people like to use? He adds a level of uh, – Leadership, um, grit, and veter- veteran presence? I, I was, I was going to say 
like, um, just weight. Like, when you hear about Adam McQuaid, like, it, it, players don't like playing against guy. him because he's, he, he leans on guys. He's just a he's, – he's a hard-nosed defenseman. And for whatever reason, we live in a world where that's still valued. It's like uh, – I guess, I guess in a way it's kind of like strikeout happy home run hitters in baseball. Mm-hmm. So that they, they always have some baseline value that teams, for whatever reason – want to acquire I if I'm the Blue Jackets and I really wanted to add a defenseman I, it, it's confusing they didn't call the Rangers about Freddie Clayson who clearly was available we saw, we heard his name a lot more than I was expecting to hear his name today but whatever like the the Rangers got less than what they gave up for Adam McQuaid simply because there's going to be what a 15 pick difference between where they would have been drafting if they don't make the McQuaid trade and where they're drafting now yeah, the McQuaid trade didn't make sense to us at the moment it happened, right? We were we were both like, huh, what? This is confusing. I don't understand. It, and we, it didn't this make is sense exactly, because... This is exactly what we said would happen, too. It did. Yeah, this, it didn't make sense because the Rangers already had way too many mediocre defensemen on their roster who are at least were young, and we needed to figure out if they had any kind of upside. I mean, think, think about it this way. Yeah, how I mean, we'll never really know how much Tony D'Angelo has benefited from all the games he hasn't played this year. But say there's a scenario where the Tony D'Angelo we're seeing now, we could have seen earlier this season just by having more ice time because Adam McQuaid, we didn't have to shoehorn him into the lineup. Well, I mean, we've seen what Tony D'Angelo has become, which is a hell of a hockey player for the New York Rangers. All of a sudden, he seems like he's part of the future. We, how, what kind of transition was that for us? Like, at two months ago, we were like, okay, maybe we'll waive him. And now he's like a part. Do you think he's legitimately part of the Ranger future? I know we're going everywhere at this point because he's, it, all of a sudden, he seems like a real player. I don't, I don't even think we, I don't think it was us saying we didn't think he was going to be a real player. It's, we were getting tired for him. For him not being in the lineup like we were we, we were saying stuff like if he's not going to get in the lineup now is there a scenario where he'll ever get into the lineup and if the answer to that question is no why are we still hanging on to him the good news is there clearly was a scenario for which he got into the lineup because he's here and now that he's succeeding I'm not saying Tony D'Angelo is going to be a top four defenseman but I think Tony D'Angelo could be one of your six every night or even one of your three on the right side every night, and your team can be successful. I'm with um, you. But I'm happy we reached this point in the season. I still just wonder if we could have gotten to this point in the season earlier if Adam McQuaid was never a New York Ranger. It just, whatever Adam McQuaid brought to the Rangers, it didn't net them anything more valuable, I don't think. Because he was here 36 games, he's gone now, and the draft picks they got back are worse than the draft picks they gave up. So what, ex- what, exactly, what exactly was accomplished in the Adam McQuaid era? It's really hard to make a case to say, okay, Adam came in. He brought veteran, veteran leadership to our defense squad. He taught people valuable lessons. People learned things from Adam McQuaid. And now, because of that, we moved down 15 spots in the draft. And we're okay with that. That's a, that's a hard case to make. I don't know if Gorton thought he could legitimately get a third from McQuaid, and he's like, this is a good value. We'll, we'll take on this money. 
and we'll take on this player for this amount of time because I could trade him for a higher price at the trade deadline. Maybe not seeing that it would be a buyer's market and not a seller's. But that you it's you really can't make the case now that it's done and said and done that Adam really brought a lot to this team. It, it, and maybe that's part of it because of his injury. Uh and maybe Gordon thought in some sick way in the back of his mind he could help us contend. I can't imagine that's what Gordon thought. Because the, the message has always been we're rebuilding, we're in for the long haul. It it, it definitely was it had to have been a locker room type move. And I am of the opinion that Jeff Gorton thought at the trade deadline he'd be able to get a third rounder for McQuaid. And it just, it didn't, it didn't happen. And at least, at least he salvaged it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like of, of the three trades the Rangers made this weekend and today, the McQuaid one is literally the fact that we've spent this much time on it is probably too much time on it. Almost certainly. The Rangers, they technically, they got back. When you're drafting in the fourth round, you're basically drafting just your board, and your board at that point in the draft is completely different from everyone else's board. So mm-hmm. probably at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The 15, the difference between the Rangers picking at, what is it, like 111th and 126th is... It's negligible, yeah. It, it's negligible because the odds of that guy being an NHL caliber player are so minimal anyway. So at, at the end of the day, like though that 15 spot difference isn't that big. My my only guess is Jeff Gordon could have sworn he was going to get a third round pick from McQuaid when he made that deal in the off season, and he didn't. So he got what he could. He moved on, and at least now the Rangers have some flexibility to play different defensive combinations and see what else they got the rest of this year. Do you believe we see John Gilmore on the team soon? No, I don't know why we would. The Rangers still have seven defensemen, all seven of which I think are with – with the, if, if the Rangers want to see John Gilmore, they should have gotten rid of Neil Pionk. But there's also no not. reason to get rid of Neil Pionk. I was interested with when the Clayson uh, rumors sort of started popping up because we really didn't hear anyone else's names for this trade deadline, right? Let's talk about the players' names we heard, and we'll go through this. Uh, the, the, I guess, I, I guess the, only, I mean, the only two players we heard that weren't really traded – I don't think Chris Kreider was ever seriously on the market. I think that was Canadian media trying to that that was a ringing grab if I ever saw one. It was like yeah, we, we have nothing to talk about. People love talking about the leaves. Let's drum up this shit for Chris Kreider to the leaves. And the only way that trade was getting done is if we got Nylander back or some fucking ridiculous prospect package that was never happening. The Leafs were never giving us what we wanted for Chris Kreider ever, ever. No, and, and the we, Rangers were never, and the Rangers. If the Rangers were ever serious about trading Chris Carter, they would have benched them the last couple of games like they did Zuccarello, Hayes, and McQuaid. Yep. The only players that got traded were players that got benched, and I think that does mean something. I think every other player, Gorton, was very happy being like, we can talk about him, but you better offer me something that I'm not thinking you're actually going to give up. Otherwise, I'm keeping him. Um, yeah, the only- and then we could, we could talk in the offseason if that's the case. Right. Right. I'm, I, I said it today on Twitter that, I wouldn't be surprised if this if Vlad Nemestikov got traded, but I'm also not expecting it. Uh, and he didn't get moved. And Wait, he wasn't not, not only did he not get moved, he didn't even get brought up once. I saw not a one rumor about Vlad Nemestikov. Yeah, there were more rumblings about Clayson. The fact that there were any rumblings about Clayson are, are more rumblings than there were about Nemestikov, which is a little surprising. Uh, at the same time, look, 
Vladdy is young, and every team, I feel, needs wingers who can live on the third line like Vlad Nemestikov, who have no problem moving up your lineup if there's an injury, and no problem playing either the power play or the penalty kill. Nemestikov has value that I don't think totally translates on the open market. At the same time, say the Rangers are kind of floating in the same nebulous next year. Mm-hmm. Nemestikov is easily a guy that can get you a Michael Grabner package on an expiring contract. Which is a, a mighty fine package. That'd be fine. I'd be happy with that yeah. for Nemestikov, for sure. Yeah, and if Gordon wasn't getting that right now, because maybe maybe with Nemestikov, it, it actually isn't the greatest thing in the world that he has another year of term on his deal. Like, maybe a team only wants Nemestikov if they only have to worry about paying him for 35 or so games. Um, and at the same time, Gordon knows he's a known quantity, right, with the Rangers who don't have a ton of known quantities. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a positive for keeping Nemestikov. I'm, if if the right package presented itself, I'm sure Gordon would have traded him. But like I said, if the only guys that got moved were guys that Gordon was scratching, so I feel like Gordon made it known: if you want any of my other guys, you have to present me a package that will force me to say yes. And it Gordon, doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like he ever got it. Gordon also knows the one most important thing that decides everything that happens this offseason, and that is if he's going to pursue Artemi Panarin or not. Now, you and I have disagreed a little bit about this. I'm still not sure Panarin becomes a Ranger. I know that you were more a little more confident about that in the, uh, going into this offseason, but he knows in his heart of hearts what his decision is, and maybe his idea to keep Vladimir Mestikov is well. I could pitch Artemi Panarin, look at all the guys we have, and that's one of the other guys that he believes would be helpful for Artemi or would be a, a nice pitch. Like, look, we have all these young guys. We have all these picks. We're going to be loaded for the future. You're the start here. Well, for, first and foremost, the best thing that happened to the Rangers today is that Artemi Panarin did not get traded. I love that. The The Blue Jackets they, are all in, in in such a weird way that's very unprecedented. Yeah, they're – they're, they went all the way. The only draft picks the Blue Jackets have in this upcoming draft is their third rounder and a seventh. So I have a weird That's question. Uh, our dear, dear friend, Keith Kincaid, uh, sorry, Keith, got traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets from the Devils today. Yep. And then, and then Bob didn't get traded from the, uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets at all. Uh, so that yep. means they have three goalies? Yeah. The, so the, uh, I believe the 23 player roster limit is lifted after the deadline. I, I think the rules change to as long as you can afford it, you can roster it. Got it. Um, and I'm, I don't think it's a hot take to say that Keith Kincaid is a better goalie than uh, Yuri Corposalo right now. I'm not saying he'll always be, but Corposalo, I don't think, is what the Blue Jackets want him to be at this moment. So if you need a playoff-tested veteran backup, Keith Kincaid can do that. At a Man, rate that's a little I, bit more successful than Corpusalo. I was reading um, the Keith the Keith thread on our hockey today. Man, they just flamed him. I was like, oh Keith, man, yeah, was, get, it, you are getting destroyed here. Yeah, I was like, you're my tough. bud, you're my bud, but these are some harsh comments. That was bad. Uh, yeah. All right, so, so they're all they're all I mean, in, and Panarin stays. That's awesome for us, right? Because Panarin, at this point, we have to believe that if Panarin wanted to re-sign with Columbus, he would have. Right? It's it's even. It's not exactly like the Tavares situation, but it's exactly like the Tavares situation. It is, actually, yes. 
if he wants, if he wanted to be in Columbus, he's had plenty of time to resign, and he hasn't. Honestly, I'm expecting them to resign Duchesne if they resign anybody. But I think, look, they they understand that it's super hard to get an under 30 winger at the height of his powers like Panarin, and it's super hard to get a goaltender under 30 at the height of his powers like Bobrovsky, even though Bobrovsky has had a bad year. You don't exactly get these chances all that often. Mm-hmm. So if this is your one chance, you have to go fucking take it. And they're and taking talked it. About, They've got, they got yeah, everything. We've, we've talked about how weak the Metro is. Uh, the Islanders did absolutely nothing today, which is one of the most surprising things I've seen. Uh, the Penguins did absolutely nothing today. The Flyers got worse because they traded Wayne Simmons. Yep. The Rangers got worse, and they're not trying to be good. The Hurricanes did absolutely nothing today. And the Devils are flat out bad. So if there's ever a year for you to fucking swing for it. Oh, and the Capitals did nothing today. Uh, the Capitals did all their business already by getting Carl Haglin. So if there's ever a year for you to shoot your shot in the Metro, this is the fucking year to do it. And I think the Blue Jackets know their best chance of getting to a conference finals is winning the fucking Metro because then you don't have to see the Lightning, the Bruins, or the Leafs until the conference finals. You only have to shoot one shot then because you'll, as Metro, you'll probably get uh, the number one wild card, which I think is probably at this point in time the Penguins. Yeah, and this is as tough. this is as weak as the Penguins are ever going to be, though. And honestly, That's you're true. you're going to have to play one of the Penguins or the Capitals in round two, unless you think the Islanders are going to do the improbable and make it past round two. So again, just... if you're the fucking Blue Jackets, this is. This is really your best shot to get to a conference final. And, and you're, the only you're, way you're going to get to a conference final is with Panera. That's it. Uh, and it, I, I'm looking at it if I'm, if I'm a Blue Jackets fan. Like, this is my last chance. I might be shit for 10 years. Let's ride it out. Let's go ride or die. And I think that's what the Blue Jackets kind of did it. Uh, the Islanders did nothing. And to not – this is kind of crazy to me. Broussard went for a third-round pick. If I'm an Islanders fan, I'm sitting there like, okay, well, what, a third-round pick? We could have got that guy? We just didn't? <laughs> what, what Honestly, if – if I'm the Islanders, fuck, dude. Like, I know, I know, I get so tired when people are like, oh, the Rangers can't trade with the Islanders, blah, 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 rivalry, blah, blah, blah. If I'm the Islanders, why wouldn't I call the Rangers and be like, yo, what's the price going to be on Nemesnikov? You know who Nemesnikov is so much better than? Fucking Tom Kunako and Lee Komarov. Yeah, a good amount. He crushes those guys. At the same time, like, you know, the Islanders do have this guy, Josh Hosting, they could just fucking promote. And he'd be better than the guys they're playing right now, too. The Islanders confuse the shit out of me, man. I mm-hmm. don't understand them. I, I don't really understand either. I, I mean, our good friend Ethan GSN, he's really – he's a sad boy right now, and I kind of feel for him. Uh, uh, not really, Duffy's though. not a happy camper either. It, it, it boggles the mind. At the same – not to – another reason why the Blue, Blue Jackets probably didn't move Panarin is to see what fucking – again, like going back to Stone. Stone couldn't get a first-round pick. Like, again, Brandstrom is great, and yes. a lot of smart people have a lot of smart things to say about him. But if you told people that the Senators were unable to get Brandstrom and a first-round pick from Vegas, you'd ask a lot of questions as to why that is. So if you're the Blue Jackets and you're going to trade Panarin or 
you can just stay all in. I think you stay all in. I think that's the way to go. And they did the right thing. And we did what we were supposed to do, which was trade away. Uh, the, the three assets we said we were going to trade away. We pretty much told everyone, like, these are, this is what's available. And I think we got a fair return. I kind of want to touch back on Zuccarello real quick, even though we did the emergency pod for the people that didn't listen. Well, before, the, before, before uh, we okay. go to, before we go to Zook, I feel like we should just finish up on Hayes because we didn't okay. really give him due justice. Okay. Um, I don't know. We talked I don't about know if you a lot. Noticed, I don't know if you noticed, but was it just me or did it seem like there were a lot of closet Hayes sympathizers that came out in force today? Yes, like a, a good. Did you see the one Jets? Like he's like, oh, I was a Jets fan a little bit when I was a kid because of my relationship with my uh, Chicago or, or something like that. I, I have a Jets jersey as a p- kid picture. It was kind of strange. Like I never knew any of that stuff. That was never even out there. I. It's weird that I feel like it. We nobody really talked. Someone must have talked about how he's related to the Kachuk, but I I've never fucking heard that shit. I've never heard. I it. feel like I listen to a lot of Rangers related content. I I, we, I say we would consume a lot of it, considering we read and talk to everyone else that blogs and does podcasts. I had, I had no I had no idea that he was related to the Kajaks. I have no uh, clue. But even but, but even then, like a lot of people, there. So there are some people who have always been pro Kevin. There, are, like our friend Brandon Cohen, has always been on the Kevin oh, Hayes train. Oh, Brandon. But I I feel like I feel like people who either kept quiet or stayed below the the waterline on Kevin Hayes came out in force leading up to the trade. And then the trade itself saying how the Rangers should just extend Kevin Hayes. And you, you and I for, we've made our points about Kevin Hayes extremely clear, right? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like if the Rangers kept Kevin Hayes, I still wouldn't be mad because I, I feel like that's a very solid second line or third line center on a really good team. At the same time, I'm totally okay with the Rangers looking at their core and saying the bulk of what we have here right now isn't good enough. And the only chance we have to be good enough is by making some tough decisions and trying to restart. And I think that you look at Mika Zibanejad and you go, okay, that's a guy I can build with. You look at Uh, Chris Kreider – you look at Chris Kreider and you go, okay, that's the guy I can build with. But maybe the Rangers looked at Kevin Hayes and said, that might be a guy I could build with. But also, this might be my only chance to flip him for an asset that I also might be able to build with. Because once, once you sign Hayes to an extension that pays him north of $6.5 million, you're eliminating people you can trade with. And you're eliminating your options for future signings. As much as I like Kevin Hayes, he's not Derek Stepan. I don't think there's any other way we can say it. Derek Stepan is a much better player than Kevin Hayes. And if you're paying Kevin Hayes more handsomely than you paid Derek Stepan, look, no no team is trying to trade for James Neal this year, right? No. And I know James Neal is a little older than Kevin Hayes, but James Neal also has had some better seasons than Kevin Hayes. Well, James Neal this year is not so good, so yeah. Yeah, and and at the same time, shit, let's don't even have to look back that far. So Rangers want to be the team that trades the guy a year too early as opposed to a year too late. And that's exactly how we got Mika Zibanejad and a second-round pick for Derek Broussard. And the Mika Zibanejad thing it has worked out. That's one of the best trades in Ranger history, if not, well, it's top three. 
top five. Correct, correct me, historians. But they're, uh, I, I'm fine with the Hayes deal. I really, the more I look at it, I think it's fine. I, and yeah, remember, it, everyone, we signed him for free. So we signed Kevin Hayes for free. Well, not for free. We gave him money. But we didn't give anything up to get him. And then we got a first-round nope. pick for him. And that's all – I mean, that's a huge return for a, for someone yeah, you and, find out of college. And I really – the people who are complaining, oh, it's a late first-round pick, all right. You're the same guy that two weeks ago was just flaming Keandre Miller and saying he's the second coming of Christ. Flaming? That guy was taken 22nd overall. Yeah. Uh, he right? is – Filipino. Yeah. Filipino was taken 21st 21. overall. Yep. So we're, we're talking the Rangers, not to mention uh, Niels Lundqvist, who's having, a, from what we've been told, a great season in Sweden. That guy was taken 28th overall. Well, let's talk so, about – I didn't really read on about Lemieux at all. Uh, I read some sure. negative things about his personality, but that was about it. Uh, did you read – happen to get get a quarter sort of analysis from our good friend Murat? Murat? From the uh, I got. I can do you one better. I got some stuff from our dear friend and uh, site editor Drew Way. Whoa! You mean Blue Shift Breakaway Look, Prospect resident Drew Way? Drew, the Drew Way. Oh um, shit! I can't believe you got information from him. Do tell. Lemieux is young, right? Twenty-two, twenty-three years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's like new age gritty. Does that make sense? <laughs> So he's a, he's really orange and he's walking around in the costume. Yes. Um, no. He's best case scenario is he's a scoring like 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 I think best case scenario is he's kind of like Brendan Peary, a lot of goals, not a whole lot of anything else. Right. Responsible defensively. Mm-hmm. I, I I think at the end of the day he's just a decent fourth line winger who provides a little nastiness to your lineup, which is fine because he can actually play hockey. Like there's a big difference between having Cody McLeod in your lineup to protect your players and having someone like Brendan Lemieux. Who can actually skate and is ripped out of his mind and is strong and provides. Yeah. And he can can occasionally provide you some offense. So there's, there is upside to Brendan Lemieux. I just, I and again, I I think the thing you and I struggle with the most is identifying truly what a quote unquote B level prospect is. Like I think I feel like you and I have a perfect understanding of what when someone says B level prospect in baseball terms, yep. we know exactly what that is, right? I could give you if some examples, pitcher, but I won't do it. If it's a pitcher, it's it's like a fourth or fifth starter at worst a reliever. Sure. And if it's a hitter, it's like an average major league starter, but never a star. Right. Yeah, that's that's a pretty average John Jay. of a B level yep. prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, John okay. Jay. That's that's that, John Jay is a, a great example. Thank you. He's a guy where if he's your fourth outfielder, you feel great, and if he's your injury replacement, you feel fine knowing that yeah. something better is eventually oh, coming got, back. Got John Jay here. We're good. <laughs> yeah, you, you never want John Jay to be your your biggest signing of an off season. No, but sorry, you always White Sox. like him as a depth move. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of Brendan Lemieux. And yes, he's he's very young, so it, it's not exactly like we can just say this is the finished product. Case in point, look at Tony D'Angelo. He clearly has taken a step up in his game. He's a similar age. 
And Tony, um, I'd say Tony's value is much higher now than it was. What right? <laughs> we probably would have gotten for him if we wanted to ship him at the beginning of the season. So I think right, other teams and, would be interested in Tony now. Right, and if there's one thing we know, it's that Brendan Lemieux is going to get some fucking run to end the season with the Rangers. So absolutely, if if he has a if he has a torrid last two plus months of this season, his trade stock is completely different then than it is right now. Um, at the same time, I some people say like with restricted free agencies there's some cost certainty as opposed to unrestricted free agency i don't know about you i don't feel that way i feel like i guess if you go year to year with restricted free agents maybe Mm -hmm. but the rangers are stockpiling a lot of restricted free agents and i'm not a hundred percent thrilled about it i think think this is something this is something you and i are going to have a lot of time to talk about this summer and then the coming weeks, I think this will be a big topic that we go through. But feel free to make your point now, and then I think I'm going to think on it and, and sit on this one. Well, well, the good news is with a guy like Brandon Lemieux again, like he's going to get the greatest audition of his career to prove that he could be more something more than what we think he is. And yep. right now, I, I I think more than anything, I'm just expecting a low leverage fourth line winger. Yeah, well, the, which, the Rangers got calls fine. for him immediately. Because, because I, you know, why they got calls for him? He plays with, he plays with an edge, Ryan. Well, we know, we know hockey GMs. They love the edge. They're edge boys, right? They, and those, they also have big YouTube fans. Will, those calls are going to continue in the summer. So if Lemieux can have a very good twenty plus games with the Rangers, I think it's good business because you can turn him into something else. Um, and the, the good thing about having guys entering the restricted free agency years, these are going to be the first paydays for these guys, the first real paydays. Yep. And there's no, there's no greater motivator in the game of professional sports than a contract. So you look at, I think the big four questions, right? Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo, Pavel Buchnevich, they're on level one. We have to figure out what we're doing with them. Level one, level two, Neil Pionk, Level Aladdin. three, Brendan Lemieux. Yep. Because That's Lemieux, good. we just we really don't know. I, I just I will do my best. There are people yelling at me today, like, have, have you even watched Brendan Lemieux? Do you how many jet games do you watch, bro? The reason why I talk to smart people like Murat is because I can't watch fucking Murat. Jets games, Murat. So I need Murat to tell me exactly what he knows because that guy is paid to watch the Jets and knows more about hockey than I'll ever forget. Um. He's a fucking smart guy. Yeah. And if Murad is not exactly pumping the pumping up the fire on Brendan Lemieux, excuse me if I'm not going to get excited about him. It's, I think it's, it's a totally fine fair gamble to take. Yeah, it's a fine gamble to take. But honestly, the thing I care about in the Kevin Hayes trade is the first round pick. That's it. And I, I want to get to this point that I got to get to Zoo because then I got to get out of here. We'll transfer to or we'll transition over to Rick. But uh, I think Gorton wants to swing with his own draft picks. And he doesn't want to take take other people's draft picks or like try and go for the higher prospects in other people's farms because he wants to take his own shot and have his own guys. And he thinks the value is probably too high on the top prospects to actually obtain them. So he'd rather have the right. first. He'd rather have the prospects. Yes, sir. Go on. Well, not not even that. But this brings us full circle. Nobody's trading prospects. Nobody. The Rangers weren't the Rangers weren't ever getting Veselinen from the Jets. No, they, they weren't were ever getting Roslovic from the Jets. 
They Paul weren't Lyon getting guys from the Flames. They weren't getting guys from the Bruins. Yep. No, of all the trades today, except for Brandstrom, there wasn't a prospect traded. Not a single good there one. There wasn't no. a single one. No. So it's right. nobody, nobody's trading prospects. I want to, before we get to Rick, I kind of want to talk about this, the Zuccarello trade one more time. And sure. I had a lot of people reach out to me uh, that I haven't talked to in a while and really passionate uh, texted me and were like, Zook got traded? Oh, my God. And I was thinking about sort of the duality of being a fan, right? So there's part of me that thinks, okay, the return we got for Zuccarello is fair. I think a second and a third with the condition of my, maybe, even if it's low, the conditions of getting a first business-wise in my head, that's a good return. And then I watched the Hank crying interview, and I think about Zuccarello and what he gave to the New York Rangers and what he did and the decisions he made to sign team-friendly contracts and his sacrificing his body, his voice, and really everything else to stay with the team. And I do think there's a good chance he's back July 1st. I think it's an Aroldis Chapman situation, and me and Hockey Statminer are leaders of the Operation Aroldis uh, Return Zoo, Get Him Home July 1st kind of deal. And I know it was why, reported that, that why you got to use Aroldis though. Why you got to use Aroldis? Why? Because that's a, with Jay Bruce. No, because no one cares about Jay Bruce, man. <laughs> yeah, but why? Are we, why? Come on, let's like fuck Aroldis Chapman. He's a terrible human being. Jay Bruce that, at least seems like a nice guy. That's fair. Uh, but one of them throws 100 miles per hour and got a return for the Yankees, and then came back like six months later. I guess Jay Bruce did the exact same. Uh, he but did I'm, the exact same thing, bro. I just think Operation Aroldis sounds cooler than Operation Jay Bruce. That's what she says. Um, I don't know. I, I think I don't think we talk enough about what the Mets did to Jay Bruce, and it's fucking diabolical. We'll get to the Mets at some point in the future. Uh, but the whole point well, is we're gonna I, actually get to the Mets in this. We're gonna get to the Mets after this rant because I have maybe the saddest thing I've ever seen at the end of this. Go go on though. Okay, so Zuccarello uh, obviously gave a lot, and I think he there's a good chance he does come back. I really I really truly believe that. I know the report was five years. I think somehow he is convinced by the Rangers to sign a team friendly contract for possibly two to three. Because there was a quote from Zuccarello saying that if he didn't play for the Rangers, it's possible he'd go back to Europe and just play there. I think that's how much he loves this team. Now, it's also possible as a fan to be upset that we traded Zuccarello to the Dallas Stars, but it's not about the return. It's upset because you love this guy. You love This is a guy that's been in your life. He's given everything for you and the team. And you're. it's okay. I think it's something we don't talk about enough is that you could have two feelings and be okay with both of them which is the return was enough and you're still going to miss and love Zuccarello even though he's gone. And part of me, even when I was watching Hank cry, which is like the hardest video I've ever had to watch in the last like six months, by the way, when he just says, I can't, and he's crying, you're like, I can't watch this. I'm going I'm to cry myself. I don't know. Part of me thought in that moment, like, would it have been worth it to keep Zuccarello? Would it have been worth it to keep him on the team just to, I don't know, Provide some spark and, and keep faith in the other players. Is that worth it? But at the end of the day, I still believe we gave up Zuccarello for a second and a third round pick for pretty much renting Zuccarello for two months. And immediately after, he broke his arm on the first game after having a spectacular first two periods. And now he won't be providing any help to the Dallas Stars until the playoffs at the earliest. And I just think you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And even if you're so upset that the Rangers traded Zuccarello and you're you're pissed at the team and you're you're miserable with it. They're doing it for the better of the squad in the future. 
Zook gave everything we and we we gave things back to him, but maybe not enough money. Uh, and it's going to be a tough pull to swallow, and that's the harsh reality of the sports world we live in. At the end of the day, most of us still root for the laundry, and no matter what happens, Zuccarello was an all-time Ranger, uh, and it, it is sad to see him go. And it's 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 okay to feel two ways. That's all. So I got I got two things to add to you, right? Okay. No, no, number one, I think the most disrespectful thing I saw about Zook is the morning after the trade. The Rangers, I, I guess this is just the state of hockey in New York. But if there's one thing that's true about New York is that people still give a fuck about the back pages, right? Oh, yeah, and this it's a big, brutal. It's a big deal to get on the back pages in New York. Even if you don't buy the paper – you want to know who's on the back page of the Post, the Daily News, and Newsday. Mm-hmm. It matters. The day after Zuccarello gets traded, and this, the trade didn't happen super late at night, and it's New York City. There's plenty of time to change the back page. The day after the Zuccarello trade, Peter Alonzo, excuse me, Pete Alonzo, oh, is sorry. on all three back pages because he hit a home run in his first at-bat, which is fine. I loved it. I'm not complaining. Zuccarello was the footnote on two papers. He wasn't even mentioned on the cover of the third. Unbelievable. It just goes to show you exactly where Rangers hockey stands in New York City. Exactly. Like, there has been no Ranger more important to this team or more recognizable to this team over the last two years. Not even the last two years, the last ten years, than Henrik Lundqvist and Matt Zuccarello. Yep. And one of them got traded, and they – barely get mentioned on the back cover of the papers, which is nuts. And that, that shit that shit blew my mind. Like, it fucking blew my mind that Zook couldn't pull one cover because Pete Alonso – I'm not complaining that Pete Alonso was on the back cover. It's fucking great. I am all about Pete Alonso. I'm on that train. But still, it was the first game of spring training, and he hit a spring training home run off a guy who's probably not going to be in a major league roster. Great. And he got all three back pages. It, it blew insane. my mind. That's insane. Second. All right. Um, oh, yeah, go on. Here's, 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 my, here's, here's my counterpoint to your thing. I understand completely that it's heartbreaking that Zook gets traded. You, you do care more about the laundry than the player at the end of the day, but at the same time, there are special players you create connections with, and you cannot separate those connections from what you may even feel is right for the team long term. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it does, it, do, it does make me question, and if you love Zook so much, don't you want him in the playoffs at the end of the day? I think the, the, what some people would say to you there is, then why Dallas? Then why not Dallas somewhere else? The best. They, they, I agree. The Rangers weren't going to just trade Zook for I, I think Duke some people would, the- make, would make the argument that you should take a, a worse deal so Zook could go to a real team to contend for a cup because Dallas isn't considered, like, a real cup contender. Yeah, I, and I, 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 I don't mean, agree with that. I'm just saying that's what no, some but, people would say. I, like, it could be a case where the Flames just didn't want to add anything. You have to trade into a team that actually wants them, right? Yeah. And if if the Bruins want them but also can't afford them, like, just salary-wise, yep. it's kind of a non-starter. You have to, you have to find a fit. I just – I do find it interesting that – we're we're all very quick to say, you know, the stuff you just said. It, mm-hmm. it it hurts to trade a guy like Zook because he gives everything for the brand. But I also feel like as someone that 
respects Zuccarello's game and loves hockey, the playoffs are more fun with Matt Zuccarello in the playoffs. If the Rangers kept him, he wouldn't be in the playoffs. Yeah, it's if you so like I, something, I don't, let it go. Yeah, I, I, I feel like it's the difference between I can, I can tell who's a Met fan and who's a Yankee fan because I feel like Met fans are much more accepting of the fact like, no, no, I love you, but I know we suck, so you need to go somewhere else to be good. Whereas Yankee fans are like, no, no, that's my good player. I don't want him going anywhere. This is my team. Yeah, and it's, just, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting contrast of personalities. Like, fuck, how many Mets have I loved in my life that I knew weren't going to be able to do anything with the Mets? So I was like, God, I hope he gets traded, just yeah, for Pia- his fucking Piazza. Trade. Really tough times. All right, I have to get going. Um, okay, okay. Yes, I, I just want to, throw, want to throw that in there. Uh, uh, we got the transition over to, to Rick, and then we'll come back do a little bit closing here. So here we go. Transition. This call is being recorded. Hey, we're back with our first and only and most important guest ever, Rick Carpinello, back on the pod. Rick, thanks so much for coming. How are my favorite two guys doing? Oh, Rick, <laughs> you flatter me, man. Uh, it, it, an interesting day for the Rangers. Uh, you think? Actually, actually, is it interesting? Because didn't we all say this exactly what would happen? Was anything even surprising for you? Absolutely not. I mean, maybe... No, you know what? No. <laughs> I mean, they, they got, you know... For months, we've been saying the same thing: what they're what they're planning on getting, what they were hoping to get, what they're expecting to get. Um, obviously, we didn't know about Brendan Lemieux, uh, you know, or if, or if it would be him or a younger prospect or a draft pick. But we pretty much knew the basis of what they were going to get for their three unrestricted free agents this weekend, and and they got all three, as we said. So, uh, you know, no surprises that they didn't do anything else. No surprises that. Um, that they dealt all their unrestricteds again, as they did last year. You know, there's just uh, – they're plotting a path, and they're sticking to it. Uh, Rick, since – we, we we'll, I'm sure we will touch on Kevin Hayes, Zuccarello, and McQuaid, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm actually more curious about the names you were hearing this afternoon that didn't get moved, specifically Freddie Clayson, because yeah. – I don't think any of us would have been totally shocked if he got moved, yeah. but it definitely went from zero to sixty pretty quickly. It seemed like. Yeah, and I don't I don't know exactly what happened there, but you know some teams did get defensemen um, today throughout the day, so perhaps those uh, perhaps you know those those took the place of Clayson. Um, I think uh, Columbus was in on Clayson too, so they got McQuaid instead, and I'm probably more happy with with McQuaid. Um, as a as a rental, especially, so you know, I don't know exactly what happened there, but I didn't think there was a great chance he was going. I thought there was a chance, and um, and you know, there were other there were other talks about Nemestikov. There was less, apparently a fair amount of interest in him, um, so I don't know where that went either. But hmm. obviously, it didn't go anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. Are you are you surprised by how quiet it seemed like it was around Nemestikov today? Because I, I yeah. did feel like going into the deadline, I, obviously I, the three unrestricteds always seemed like they were going, but it always yeah. felt like Nemestikov was right on their heels. Yeah, and, and and right up till you know Friday or Saturday, I think it was, I, I was told that there was a lot of interest in him. Um, and he's played well, too. I mean, you know, he, it's not like he's hurt his value the last couple of weeks. I think he's played really well. So, um, but, you know, there weren't, it didn't seem to be 
and I shouldn't say that because I was so busy with the Rangers stuff that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to what was going on around the league. But it didn't. There didn't seem to be a lot of guys like him moving. You know, usually you see those depth guys moving, but it seemed like it was either you know top guys or or you know futures um, drafted to, uh, traded today. I don't know um, how many guys like Nemesnikov were traded. In fact, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure there were, but I don't. Um, you know, normally those are the kinds of guys that do get dealt on trade deadline day. Now, a guy that I didn't think was going to get traded whatsoever was Chris Kreider, but yet yeah. TSN uh, continued to say, well, the Leafs are looking to acquire Chris Kreider. I don't know yeah. if you heard anything on that. I, that felt like a PR move that, and just like a media grab. There, you know, teams certainly asked about him for the last couple of weeks, and I think teams were told that this is what it's going to take, and it's a lot. It's going to knock your socks off. From what I understand, uh, from the Rangers' standpoint, was that today there was not a lot of discussion about Kreider. Um, in fact, almost none, because I think teams in advance knew what the ballpark was going to be, and it was going to be more than Kevin Hayes, uh, you know, by a fair amount. So I don't think he ever came close. However, you know, on the conference call tonight, I asked Jeff Gordon about, you know, well, now do you, now that you've traded all your unrestricted for two years in a row, do you want to get this guy locked up, and he was very noncommittal. So uh, I'm a little surprised at that. But, uh, you know, I thought he would say, yes, you know, we want to start talking to him, you know, this summer and see if we can get something done. But he didn't. He said they would talk, but he didn't. He was very noncommittal. That's particularly now, interesting. An- another another thing that I saw Jeff Gordon mention on that call, um, and you'll have a lot more insight than I would on this because I don't – I am not privy to those phone numbers. Uh <laughs> It it sounded like he was more open to flipping assets that he's acquired to try and get young, controllable talent that might already be in the NHL. I remember vaguely him saying something similar last offseason. Should we feel this offseason will be any different for the Rangers in terms of speeding up the rebuild? Yes. I think so. I think um, he's he's definitely looking to accelerate. And, you know, the, the easiest one and the most obvious one is going to be in free agency. And he's cleared a ton of cap. He's got like $18.5 million in cap space right now, and that goes to $20 million if the cap goes up. Um, that's a lot of money to spend. And they only have – they don't have any unrestricted except for Connor Brickley. So they're, <laughs> they're going to be pretty pretty well off in terms of – going after those guys. But I think that they're also going to be going to the draft, looking to trade and, and trade, you know, for prospects. Maybe they can trade some of their picks for prospects. Maybe they trade some of their prospects for, for young players that are closer. Um, but I do think that, yes, this summer is going to be about um, making this team better fairly quickly. Um, and it's not going to be, you know, old guy after old guy. It's not certainly not, but they're going to be interested in Panarin. They're going to be interested. We're going to, going to be taking a look at any teams that have a problem, uh, a cap problem with <clears throat> restricted free agents that they might offer sheet, um, which I always say is never going to happen, but it might happen, and I, I'll believe it when I see it happen. Um, but that I think the I think the, uh, the the tone of the rebuild is going to change this summer. And uh, and it and it should um, as as Jeff said today that 
they've really changed the look of their top 10 prospects in a, in a very short time. And they really have. Um, they went from having not much to pretty good, a pretty good prospect list. Um, you know, they don't have any, you know, any top three picks or those type of guys, those, you know, can't miss guys, but they do have a lot of guys that are, that are pretty good. And, um, and that, that have, have gained some traction in terms of uh, where they stand among the prospects uh, of, of NHL teams. You know, guys like Kravtsov and, and mm-hmm. uh, Keandre Miller are thought of very highly. And, um, you know, I still think they have they have high hopes for Howden and, and, and Hedl. Um So, yeah, I, you know, I think they've really redone their prospects list quite a bit. They're obviously going to have two first-rounders and, uh, and three seconds and, and maybe – you know, maybe some of those seconds flip, or at least one of the seconds flips for first. So they're going to be loaded um, in terms of prospects, but all those prospects are still going to be, you know, quite a distance away. And uh, I do think, and boy, that was a long answer, but I do, I do think that, you know, that, that they're going to be going, that they're going to be looking to uh, to see what they can do to speed it up. And, and that includes, you know, the prospects are not untouchables. It's funny you mentioned that because I really got the impression, even just from reading you and some other things that Gordon said, that this rebuild might be longer than we expect. But you saying that it's going to be quicker now, I guess the Panarin thing's always been on our radar, right? Not that we broke yeah. this news on the podcast or anything with a Columbus writer from The Athletic also, but that's weird. Um, but I, I just think if they do miss out on Panarin, do you see this going a lot longer? Because I kind of do, where like he's built through the entire draft and we might, might not be competitive or we, the Rangers might not be competitive for the next three or four years. Yeah. I, I think it depends on, you know, it depends on what kind of players they can, what kind of NHL ready players and what kind of NHL free agents they can get. You know, uh, I mean, if they get Panarin and say one other guy, I know they had their eye on um, Silverberg, who's, who we signed in, in Anaheim. So he's off the chart, but mm-hmm. they had, you know, they had their eye on, a Panarin and a, and a second free agent and they have the money to do it, you know, and who knows who, you know, who the offer sheet targets might be. But, uh, if they get two of those guys, you know, and Kravtsov comes over and can play right away, um, I think it's a dramatic improvement in the team and, and they're not, they're not winning the Stanley Cup, but they're going to be markedly better than they are now and they're going to be a, a team that should be able to challenge among all the garbage in the East to make the playoffs because the East is terrible. I mean, my God, the West is, and, the West is a bloodbath, by the way. And, and, and the West is no, I mean, they are, they are, let's put it this way. We know how bad the Rangers are right now. We know how bad, how poorly they've played at times and how bad they really are. And even with Lundquist, you know, the goals they give up and, and the leads they give up. So we know that. And they're not even, they're not even in the bottom 10. They're not. I, mean, I was actually going to ask you if you're surprised of how well they've sort of done for what they have. Yeah, I mean, I expected them to compete because of this coach and because of some of the guys that they have. But the uh, the record, you know, and the record, you know, let's face it, it was built early on those on those uh, shootout wins or and mm-hmm. the shootout wins, and and it was built early on that nine one and one streak. Um, so it, you know, it's pretty good. But they're still. If they're not dead last, they're close to it in regulation and overtime wins. I think it, I think they are still last. And uh, they are. Yeah. So you know, I mean, first of all, that's good because that's the tiebreaker <laughs> when you go into the lottery. <laughs> Let's go. But, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, you know, so the so the record itself is a bit of a mirage, I think. 
Um, but, but you know, just there's so many bad teams. And even the teams that are out ahead of them, like teams like Carolina and Florida, I don't even know where Florida is these days. Those teams aren't better than the Rangers. And, you know, the, the teams that are – Philadelphia is better than the Rangers. I don't think they are. I don't think so either. You know, and these are teams that are ahead of them. <laughs> so, so anyway, my point being, you don't have – they're not going to have to make a big leap to be a playoff contender next year. Um, but they're not going to win the Stanley Cup next year either. Uh, Rick, one of the under-the-radar moves, because it wasn't a trade, but it still looked like a good deal of business, was extending Bunievitz for one year. Obviously, I'm not here to try to get people excited about, you know, the 11th or 12th forward on a hockey team. At the same time, I feel like there's a benefit to just having a stable, neutral force on your fourth line that doesn't take anything off the table when he plays. Were you surprised that the Rangers were able to get that deal done today as well? She was, and at a very reasonable price, you know, given that he was going to be unrestricted. But, I, you know, I guess the market really wasn't going to be there for him anyway, uh, even as an unrestricted. He probably could have picked his place, probably could not have picked his price. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised, and I think it's a good move. He, uh, he, you know, when you talk about 12th forward, he might be 13th next year or 14th. But, but yeah, I mean, he's a good player. He's um, After all the concussion issues he's had in his career, um, I think he's done pretty well for himself to pick himself up and, and turn himself into the player he was this year. I know he worked all summer with Kreider um, and, and the, the coach that they have uh, in Connecticut. Um, so he's really worked hard. His skating is exceptional. And, you know, he still needs to get better, uh, you know, to be a real NHL player, in my opinion. But he doesn't hurt you. Like you said, he doesn't hurt you. And he, he's better than a lot of the fourth-line centers they've come through here the last few years. Couldn't agree more. I know you only have about ten minutes left before you got to go do some big time radio. So I kind of want to go. Through, I wanted to go through the trades. The Zuccarello trade, as you probably know, uh, burnt the internet down for the Rangers, uh, yeah. and most people were very upset. And Hank uh, also had a post game moment that was very emotional. Uh, yeah. You're a beat writer, so you don't have to have emotional to the team. You thought that the you thought the return was fair for Zuccarello. I'm assuming. Yeah, I did. I it was pretty much right around what I thought it would be, and. Uh... You know, I, I understand the emotional stuff. Believe me, I you know I I know how much people love him, and it's not just the, the crazy fans. You know, his teammates love him, and his coaches love him, and he's not. And I, you know, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy to deal with. He's always been, you know, an upfront guy. Um, so I understand the attachment that people have to him, and I certainly understand, you know, how people love the competitive the competitiveness, the, the compete level that he has at that size. But it was time, and. You know they weren't going to sign him for five years. It's not going to happen. Um, and again, if he wants to come back for two years in July, maybe he will. But um, but he, you know, let's face it, he's not going to be. He, he'd have to be kind of crazy to not see what he can get on July first. I agree, but I still think he, there's a chance he comes back, Rick. I really do. I think there's a chance. I think it's it's slim, and I think it also depends on how much money the Rangers need to you know, to uh, put their plan in motion on July 1st. And, you know, if they have if they have leftover scraps and he will take them, then, then it's possible. Um, and I know they like him and I know they'll take him back, but they're not, he's not getting five years from the Rangers and he's not getting, you know, more than five million a year. So, you know, I don't know why <laughs> he, he won't try to get that first somewhere else. But, uh, 
you know, the but the the thing you were talking about burning down the internet and and thank God for you two guys because you guys taught me about not firing back at people on internet. There you go. I got you back, Rick. <laughs> you did, man. And I learned I learned a lesson that night. And um, so I just got off Twitter Saturday night, and I was just like, I can't do this. And I told everybody, bye. <laughs> you, just, you just get yourself in trouble if you do it. I, tr- I promise you. It just doesn't And there's help no you. way you're convincing those people. It's like it's like trying to convince, you know, people about politics or religion. It's not happening. And uh, it's not, yeah, it's not going to convince anybody. You're not going to change anybody's mind. So you just click off that uh, the computer for a little while and go do something else. <laughs> I will say I, I'm going to be furious when he's an Islander or a Flyer. I will throw up then, but until then, uh, I'm going I'm to hope it comes back July 1st. Well, he's uh, going to be a Penguin too, so. <laughs> uh, I don't know which one's worse. They're all pretty bad. I yeah, can't choose. Yeah. Please don't make me. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that the Kevin Hayes return. I, I mean, everything we everything we thought was ex- was expected. Actually, I think we all called it for months on end. What what is the move we should be most critical of Gorton for, if any? Today? Oh, uh, I guess the whole, his whole this whole season, really. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to have you know, I mean, extending Spooner, but he got out of that. Got out of it, and he did really well, by the way, because Strom has been a hell of a player. He's been a really, and he and he going forward is a, is a keeper. I mean, he's not he's not second line center, but he's a keeper, and. uh you know, he's a guy that if you're if you're trying to make the playoffs next year, you'll be glad you had him. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to remember what you know which ones he didn't do well on. I mean, you know, I had the question for him during the draft on the picking the goalie. I mean, I, but everybody did. Yeah, everyone um, did. You know, but that wasn't just him. That was also Benny Allaire and uh, and you know their, their scouts. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know where, and I'm not saying he's perfect or he's done it fabulous standing ovation type job but it's hard hard for me to come up with something that he's done really poorly uh, i guess uh, i guess if anything yeah. ryan and i talked about this earlier but if you really want to poke holes you could say he yeah. fell back five spots in the fourth and seventh round on adam mcquade so that's about yeah. it yeah he did and there's no you know he did but that i think that was a worthy gamble i mean really what how much different are those spots not really at right. all. That, that's, right. That's what we talked about. At that point, you're right. you're drafting who you like anyway, and who you like is different than right. who everyone else and, likes. And like somebody said to me today, they don't recall ever being in that round, in that you know, in that fourth round, and saying, okay, we got to get this guy, you know, before somebody jumps ahead of us. And, you know, it's, so, you know, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be people on their list that they'll want, uh, that they'll still get in the fourth round. Um, but, it, yeah, it, but I don't think it was a bad gamble at all. I think McQuaid helped them this year. Taught he was really good with their kids. He was really good for Brady Shea, and uh, and he was a guy that you know a young team needs in terms of a protection and b um, having some leadership and having that Stanley Cup ring um, and having kids look up to him. So I don't think it was a bad gamble. I don't think it was a big loss to to drop down in those two rounds. Before you before you ditch us, Rick, for more. <laughs> Important people. Uh, <laughs> there is nobody more important. Oh, there is no one more okay. important. <laughs> give us, give us two or three storylines you're watching for the rest of the year. Well, you know, it's going to be first of all who plays. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Leah Anderson is here now, um, and they're going to probably have to have some some other kids come up. I'll be very interested in seeing. 
called the Muse Kid play because I've only seen him once, I think, in person. <laughs> and uh, he looks like a real pain in the ass. So um, I, I think they need that. You know, we saw the game in Washington where it was a gritty game and it was a, it was a rough game and um, Anderson and D'Angelo and some of those other guys they they pissed people off and and that's what you want. I, I think they need a guy like that. They they've always needed a rat and he's one and uh, so he's he's a guy I'm really looking forward to see. I'm going to be interested in seeing um, what they do with the goaltending and you know Alexander Georgiev is still. Uh, I think he's still trying to earn a spot here in the future uh, with with that kid coming from Russia. Um, you know, he's the good, he's the goods, and um, you know, Georgiev's been really good, I think, but I don't think he's uh, convinced anybody that he's a number one goalie yet. So you don't trade him for a lot. Um, so I think he's an interesting storyline, and, and we also, you know, when Shesterkin gets here, we don't know too how it translates from him playing you know on a great team um and in a in a league where there's a lot of goalies with you know sub 2.0 goals against averages to coming over here and seeing this league um so he's you know he'll be worth a watch next year but uh, you know their goaltending situation should be fine no matter what um with all the kids that they have in in the system so I'll be watching that and I'm also watching David Quinn I mean he's been very impressive as a teacher and a coach and uh even though he tries to win every game and he thinks they can win every game and he thinks they can make the playoffs <laughs> you know and all this pie in the sky stuff um he knows where they're at and he knows what his job is now and his job is to get uh a lot of kids and a lot of even you know younger veterans to play better next year and beyond because he, you know, he's brought in here to do a job, and job number one was to develop. Um, he's really good at it, I think. I think, you know, from what we've seen so far, he's a tremendous teacher, uh, tremendously patient, and a guy who really uh, understands the one-on-one teaching aspect. So uh, he's going to be an interesting watch down the stretch here, and I don't think they're going to give up, but I think it's going to be tough for them to compete without Zuccarello and Hayes. And uh, and McQuaid, and I think that uh, watching him to me is going to be fascinating. Rick, thank you so much for joining us on your very busy evening. You can read Rick Carpinello right now at theAthletic.com, where he released an article or there were two today. I know you're part of the roundtable for Kevin Hayes, and you were also uh, released an article calling called "The Rangers Make Good on Plan to Deal Unrestricted Free Agents and Load Up on Draft Picks." You can read that right now at theAthletic.com, where Rick Carpinello writes about the Rangers along with Shayna. I'm a big fan of the podcast also. Rick, any, <laughs> any other thing you, you want to plug before I – or anything I missed there? I just want to plug the best podcast on oh, earth. Whoa, really? <laughs> what was you guys, that? Wow, thank would, you. <laughs> you, you guys are, are, what other podcasts do you listen to? Because I know you're talking about us. <laughs> <laughs> my, li- my, list is, my list is short. <laughs> Which was breakaway, that's it. Rick, thank you so much. We'll have you back on uh, probably in the offseason right before the draft. Anytime at all. Thanks, guys. Enjoy Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night, Rick. You too. All right. That was Rick Carpinello. He is gone. It is just you and me, Greg. We are finishing up the podcast. Uh, any final thoughts Ooh. from, from this, uh, a, a doozy of a, is this the most information we've had on a podcast in like eight weeks? No, we, what do you mean eight weeks? We did a lot of shit with. 
people no, that's trying true. to figure out. No, you're right. We literally had an entire trade segment every single week with two different guests. And I think we um, did a pretty good job with that, especially with calling some of the trades that did actually happen. All things – I mean, Murat, I'm, uh, Nailed that it's always one. great that we finally, finally get to do a trade with that guy, which means we get to talk with him in the offseason when all things are said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison L. with the Blue Jackets, we talked to her. It's funny because we didn't talk to her about defensemen. Wait, at all. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's just interesting because when we talked with her, we, we, were, we were trying to – all three of us were trying to figure out what the Blue Jackets would do if they would decide that their short-term guys are lottery tickets or if they would strip down. And I've never seen a team lean into their window like the Blue Jackets are leaning Hard. into their window. Yep. Um, and then with uh, with Zuccarello, we actually didn't talk stars this year. We didn't. You know what? We, we did didn't it. We did it last year. year. Yeah, we. And it's funny because when we talked with Sean Shapiro last year, we talked about how the stars would be interested in Matt Zuccarello for two years. Yep. And I mean, we weren't wrong technically. No, we, weren't. we were not. Uh, I do think we could have gotten more for Zuc if we traded him last year, but that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter at this point in time. Um. The reason why we didn't talk to Sean is because, honestly, we didn't think the Stars were going to add. It's kind of weird that the Stars bought. I'm not going to lie. It is. And they also said they were going to try and buy again, but obviously did not once they Zuccarello were went down. No. Um, final, final thoughts for me. I, the more I've been thinking about the deadline, the more it feels like the Rangers kind of, sort of, know what they're doing in their forward ranks. Like, you can see the plan. There's definitely – I mean, there's plenty of room for Panarin. Every team has room for Temi Panarin. Uh, but you can kind of see what they're doing everywhere else in the forward ranks. You, 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 have, you have a good idea as to who will be playing offense for the Rangers in 2019-2020. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't know about you, I've never been more uncertain about what this team wants to do defensively. I think I agree with that because you're really – I mean – is Carlson even an option for us this offseason? I, 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 I think the Rangers I, I think the Rangers have to add on defense. I don't think I, I really don't think it'll be Carlson because I don't think the Rangers are going to be in the business of giving out two ten million plus dollar contracts. I, um, we, we never really have sources, right? But people that I know that or have told me in the past, it, it's a long time ago, is that Carlson was never on any Ranger list and will never be on any Ranger list. And those are people yeah, I trust. That's all I know. It, it seems it seems unlikely. I look. I'm going to speak Truba into existence because one, he's once again a restricted free agent. Two, and it's your call. It doesn't Andrew. feel like he wants to be in Winnipeg for the long haul. And three, it might only take seven million dollars to bring him in. And if you, I mean, you heard Rick on this podcast. You do the mm-hmm. mental math. Panarin for eleven million, Truba for seven million. That's eighteen million dollars. The Rangers miraculously have $18 million hmm, in cap. Weird, weird. Uh, it's funny how that works. Uh, but think, just think about defensively, Ryan. Who are we, who's guaranteed to be a New York Ranger next year? Brady, Brady Shea, Kevin Shattenkirk, Mark I, Stahl. I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure Kevin Shattenkirk is a guarantee. I'd say 85% chance Kevin Shattenkirk's a Ranger. Sure, you asked guarantees. That's why I think I think the answer legitimately, if you say guarantees, it is Mark Stahl and Brady Shea, and I'll I'll actually I, mark down Tony D'Angelo there too. That's still just four, right? So mm-hmm. then, 
that four, I'm yet to hear a bona fide, clear-cut number one defenseman. There is none. So, again, I think you can smudge the lines. If Brady Shea has a Jacob Truba on his right, I think that's a perfectly fine top pairing defend. Uh, But even then, that's five. So, we both don't think Brendan Smith will be here next year. I think it would behoove the Rangers to move him. It frees up even more cap space. I think they'll try. It's going to be tough. I think... Man, I think even the most rosy outlook on Neil Pionk is he's a seventh defender. Yep. Uh, I, I, I don't think Freddie Clayson will be back. I think they'll look to move him because I know he's a restricted free agent. Uh, I, I think there's a good chance that maybe the sixth guy is one of Ryan Lindgren or Igor Rykov. Maybe. We have so many questions to answer, but my takeaway from the entire trade deadline and everything I've read and gone through the last couple of days is a verbal meme, actually. It's uh, the Rangers released a letter last year saying we're going to trade everyone, and then all of Twitter was surprised when they traded everyone and Pikachu faced. That was it. They're like, oh, my God, they traded everyone, Pikachu faced. It was like, what? <laughs> How is everyone surprised? They literally said everyone's going for two years, everybody. Do you th- are you disappointed that there was a guy they didn't trade? I don't know if I've asked you this before. Uh, no. Actually, that's a good question. I, I don't think I'm disappointed because I still think everyone's still in the market. Like, I think if the team wanted Jimmy Vesey, they could have him in this offseason. Like, no problem. I, 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 just think, don't think, I, don't, I really don't think anyone wants Jimmy Vesey. Really I'm with you. I just, I just threw him out as a guy I, I thought could be traded. Yeah. Vlad, Vlad no, I, I, could be I agree. I agree. Um, I, 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 I'm not disappointed the Mestikov wasn't traded because, again, I think that's a guy you can not necessarily build with because that, that, that gives the wrong idea. He's a guy like Jesper Foss that he just fits every hole that you want to put him in. He's like – he's Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. He, he can do whatever you really want him to do. Yep. All while occasionally pro, uh, providing some up, upside offensive scoring. So I, I feel like Nemestikov and Foss are guys that – they obviously have value, but no NHL team knows how to acquire that value without feeling like they overpaid. So I think that's why those guys just don't get traded as much. Uh, but like you said, come come July 1st, both those guys are going to be playing on unrestricted free agent contracts, which all of a sudden creates a market for them that also didn't exist because now a team doesn't have to buy into them for longer than they want to. Exactly. So whatever market was there for Yes for Foss and Vladimir Domestikov is going to exist in July. Exactly. Um, so to Rick's point, I'm super interested to see how the Rangers handle the trade market come this offseason. Because you and I talked a big game last offseason saying the Rangers were going to dangle things because that's usually what teams do when they have an abundance of – assets like the Rangers did. Mm-hmm. So the Rangers, once again, have just an embarrassment of riches. They have at least two first-round picks. Uh, they have as many as four first-round picks. I, I highly doubt they get the Dallas first-rounder. I, I Honestly, at this point, it feels like a better than 50% chance probability the Lightning make the Stanley Cup final. And all they have to do is – all they have to do is – well, all they have to do – to have a really a 50-50 shot at winning it is by making it. 
So I think it's a, it, it kind of feels like a coin flip if you're getting the first rounder from the Lightning. So the Rangers could, in theory, have once again three first-round picks. And we already saw a team like the Sabres utilize one of their first-round picks for a young, cost-controlled, pretty good defenseman. So I do wonder if the Rangers can dangle one of their first-rounders for a, a young NHL player this year because the market is there for it. It's going to be fun. Uh, and, if you, and, and ready for this, natural plug. And if you want to find that information out and stay plugged into the Rangers, the only place you could do that is every Tuesday morning at Blue Shirts Breakaway. That's true. That's good. We do, we do do that. Thanks. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was that was good by you. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But the trade scenarios, the free agent scenarios, those will be fun. The scenarios I'm not looking forward to. I'm going to have a headache trying to think of what the Rangers should give Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, yeah, I'm already dreading it. I'm gonna. It won't even be a headache. I legitimately don't know what kind of contract Tony D'Angelo should get. Well, don't kill and, our content for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out there as what we're talking about. Yeah. I do think if, if I can make one bold prediction, you know how every summer we had, there's, a, there's a Rangers civil war, and it's just us trying to pinpoint the target. Did you say every summer? You mean like every day? But specifically in the summer when we don't yeah. have anything to talk about. That's true. I think Neil Pionk's next contract is going to cause the next great Rangers war. I'm excited. I'm there for it. I'm not. I don't, I don't want any part of it. It's going to be miserable. <laughs> all right. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. He does all the tweeting. Sorry about the Mets stuff. And you can follow me at Orion Mead. I'm there. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really funny today. Like I was, I was in, a, in a stretch of just hot Ranger takes, left, right, left, right, left, and right. Noah Syndergaard. And then – no, it wasn't Syndergaard. It was Pete Alonso made a great play at first base. I was like, Pete Alonso defensive warning. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got it out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just a problem. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.